Hi, welcome to the Axe Church UK weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy! Now, why don't I give you my topic of my sermon today and then we can dive in. Topic is, what truly makes us happy? Amen? Say it again. What truly makes us happy? As you guys know, uh, we just kicked off Alpha. It's a really exciting time. And um, yeah, so sidetracked a bit. If you have not been wanting to come or you're thinking of inviting your friends still, it's not too late. You can always come. This coming tomorrow. Uh, it's only on second session. So more that you have not missed much yet. So happy to, and it's easy to just catch up what you have missed. But anyway, coming back. <laughs> so as you know, we, have been, we just started Alpha. And uh, one of the videos, we watched the video as part of the Alpha online. And in the video that we were watching on Monday, one of the questions that was asked, that they asked different people, and one of the questions that was asked was, what makes you happy? So they were asking different ones, what makes you happy? No, different ones, of course, gave different answers. Some said music, I hear amen for that. Some said hanging out with your friends. I'm like, yeah, amen, that makes me happy. Some said, you know, um, chocolate. I'm like, yes, amen. <laughs> no, some said, I think one well, said yogurt, if I'm not wrong. So I said, that's a strange thing, but okay, sure. Um, some said uh, sleep. One person even said sleep makes me happy. I'm like, yeah, amen. <laughs> For those of us who feel like we don't have enough sleep. No, but as I thought about it, and I was just thinking, and I, I, I was just, uh, I thought it was a good, good question. And But the more I thought about it, the more I thought like, oh, interesting, these questions, uh, the answers that people give, happiness is based on something external. Those happiness is based on something happening, on some, doing something. And those happiness in that sense is quite temporary. You know, for example, let me give you an example. If you say food, you know, food, having a good meal makes me happy. And yes, that makes me happy. But having a good meal, you're just happy for that moment, maybe for that day, if it's a really awesome meal. Uh, but it doesn't continue. You know, maybe if you have it in the breakfast, you have a great brunch, you'll be happy and satisfied for that day. But it will not last till tomorrow. Tomorrow you'll be like, oh, I want something else to satisfy me. I want something else to make me happy. Isn't that true? And I got to thinking, what does Jesus say about happiness? You know, I believe that God wants us to be happy. You know, God is not some grumpy God up in heaven looking down and said, you must behave yourself and you know you must act or you know you must behave yourself and he's a grumpy God. We always sometimes we think that way. But I want to say today that God wants us to be happy as well. Jesus says that he came to give us life and life to the full. So part of life to the full, I believe, is being happy. But the thing is, we are sometimes defined on what we think is happy. Sometimes we go by what the world says will make you happy. But what does Jesus really have to say about what is happiness and how do we come about it? So I've been praying and I've been reading and, and, I, and I kind of got, got direct me to, directed me to this scripture. So why don't we all turn to it together? It's found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 to 10. Give me a shout if you're there, and we can all read it together. Amen? No, it's powerful to read the Word of God out loud as well. So, hey, where you are, why don't I encourage you? Why don't you read it alongside with me? No, reading from Matthew 5, verse 1, it says this, 
And seeing the multitudes, he went up on the mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Amen. So I, I you know this is a, the Sermon on the Mount, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount and the scripture that we, we just read, you know, we, what people always refer, refer to as the uh, Beatitudes, you know, uh, attitudes and characteristics us as Christians should display. And I was reading this, I was like, mm, okay, okay, uh, but how does this link to happiness? You know, when you read this, uh, certain parts of the Beatitudes say, blessed are those who are persecuted, blessed are those who are poor, blessed are those who are hunger. How, you know, if, you, if you're thinking of thinking it through logically, how can that actually make us happy? You know, how can be us being persecuted be happy? Doesn't make sense, right? But the thing is, we need to go in a little bit deeper. Let's explore what the Word of God really says as it is. First of all, we need to understand what is the meaning of the word blessed. Sometimes we think the word blessed is just having something. You know, maybe we have been so used to it. I'm blessed because I have provisions. I'm blessed because I have a great job. I'm blessed because, you know, I've received my breakthrough. I'm blessed. And all these are good and they are great blessings from God. Please don't get me wrong. But sometimes what we think is blessed, what we think we should what we what defines blessing for us what defines happiness for us is maybe achieving a certain milestone you know maybe some of us here you know you're studying and you said god i'll be really happy i'll be happy once my exam finish and i can't wait for it for it to finish for all our students out there we're praying for you hang in there i know it's exam season right now but god will get you through it but yeah that doesn't change the fact we think that once i finish this then truly i am happy now, maybe for some of us here, you're working and maybe you feel like, God, once I get past this promotion, um, I get my pay rise, uh, the recognition I deserve, then I'll truly be happy. You know, maybe some of us here, we're searching for, so are we looking, we want, to, we want to be with someone and there's nothing wrong with that. We truly think that I'll be really happy when I get with someone, when I meet, uh, you know, when I get my boyfriend, when I have a boyfriend and a girlfriend. And those are not bad things, but you see, sometimes we think happiness is dependent on that. And again, as I realized that sometimes we think we need to achieve that, but even as we achieve that as humans, we are never satisfied. There's always going to be something missing. Think about it. There's never a millionaire or someone who rich who says, hmm, I have enough money. There's always the need to have more. And we think that happiness is defined on us achieving the more, achieving our dreams. And that's right but there's more to it as well you know some of us think that happiness is how i feel i must feel happy you know today if i wake up on the wrong side of it it's i'm not happy and we think that happiness is dependent on how we feel or maybe sometimes happiness is depending on what we are doing i only i'm happy when i enjoy 
doing something. I'm happy when I'm having brunch with my friends. I'm happy, I'm, I'm happy when I'm able to go out. It's dependent on something. But Jesus here clearly didn't teach us that. You know, the word bless, the word bless in Greek means makarios. And it's translated to bless. Translated to, it means bless, it means happy. And another meaning, it means enviable, something to be envied about. But if you read the Beatitudes and you look at it and you're like, how does being persecuted, how can you be happy when you are persecuted? How can you be happy when you are hungry? It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't click with what we think makes us happy, if you're honest about it. But what Jesus is trying to tell us here today, happiness is not dependent on the external factors. Your happiness, our happiness is not dependent on what we achieve and what we think we need, how we feel. But happiness is defined, is found in who we are. You know, the, the Passion Translation says this, blessed, you know, the, the, it says that when happiness, what happiness comes to you when you are dot, 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 dot. Wow, that's an amazing revelation, isn't it? I was just like, wow, God, I did not know that. You know, many times we think that, you know, it's just a feeling or it's just achieving something. But no, God is saying that true happiness, the secret to happiness is not found, is found in becoming, is found in who we are. And the Beatitudes tell us different, no, the Beatitudes is a beautiful picture. It tells us, us as Christians, what we should be, what we should aim to be, how we should live our lives. And it applies to all of us. And we're not supposed to, we're supposed to display not just one Beatitude, but all eight Beatitudes. Amen. And today we want to explore, you know, I know there's eight, but for today, I want to focus just on the first Beatitude. And we want to go in deeper. We want to explore why does being poor, why does, you know, the first beatitude, sorry, the first beatitude is blessed are those who are poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And today we want to explore how can being poor in spirit translate to being happy? How can poor in spirit translate to being something to be envied about? Amen. So let's jump into it. Let's read again. Verse 3, it says this, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know, give you a bit of background context. When Jesus was preaching this Sermon on the Mount, the people at that time that he was preaching to was mainly under the Roman Empire rule. You know, they were taxed very heavily. They were sometimes taxed more than they needed to. And a lot of them were not rich. So can you imagine, maybe we heard this sermon a lot of times and we read this beatitude a lot of times and it doesn't shock us maybe. But to that people listening at that time, I can imagine it must have been shocked, you know, like must have been like, God, Jesus, what are you saying? What do you mean? And even at myself, when I was reading through this beatitude, to be honest, I had to sit down and pause and think, God, what do you actually mean? <laughs> I read it twice. I read it a few times. I'm like, God, what do you actually mean when you say that I'm blessed when I'm poor in spirit? What does poor in spirit means? You know, we, um, what does poor in spirit mean? So let's just go in deeper first. Again, what is poor in spirit? Jesus here is not replying, it's not um, saying that poor in spirit means that we are poor financially. It doesn't refer to the, in that context, but the, the Bible says poor in spirit. So what does poor here means? You know, what does, the, the, what does it actually mean? The Greek word for poor is 
Okay, I knew how to pronounce it, but it's off my head right now. But it means piokos. So piokos means it's translated. Okay, I probably am pronouncing it wrong, but I'll give you the spelling for those of you who are taking notes. It means P is spelled as P-T-O-C-H-O-S. And when it's translated, it means someone who is uh, covering down onto the floor, someone who's crouching down the, on the floor, and someone whose face is just almost prostrate, someone who's prostrated on the floor, lying flat on the floor in front of someone. So God is saying that, hey, that's my definition of poor in spirit. You know, we don't, you know, we know it's not what we think it is. So let, that's, that's the definition. So let's think about it. And uh, we're talking about happiness and poor in spirit. How does it work together? The first point is this. When we are poor in spirit, we are happy because we know we can depend on God. Amen. I'll repeat again. When we are poor in spirit, we are happy because we can depend on God. You see the image, the translation that we read, the image, the, 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 what, what poor in spirit means is someone who is lying, almost kneeling, someone who is kneeling on the floor, lying flat on the floor. The image that comes to our mind immediately, not sure about you, but for me, it's almost as if as someone that unfortunately we see people who are begging on the streets, you know, sometimes they're like coming to us and say, hey, I need some money. <laughs> Um, could you kindly spare some change so I can have some food to it so that I can have a place to stay? And we always think, no, that's that image of someone begging, someone who's poor. And what does it imply? It means that it's someone at the, someone who's doing that is at the mercy of someone. We are dependent on someone for us, for our, for our needs. And God is saying that I want your, all my people, I want us, your pe I want my people to display an attitude, to adopt an attitude that's so dependent on me that way. Without uh, without God, we would be nothing. We would literally die. Almost, almost. You know, my, the other image that comes to my mind when we talk about poor and spirit and being so dependent, it's as if someone on a school going for scuba diving. And you know you have your oxygen tank and you need your oxygen tank when you go for scuba diving because if you jump into the deep of seas without it and you go down the, you go diving without it you will die right but yes we need it we need it that way and god that, that image and god say i want my people i want my people to need me that way you know many of times we think we need we just think that god is by the way <laughs> You know, we, we don't truly need him. But God said, I want my people, I want my people to truly need me that way. Wow, that's amazing revelation. And many of times we as human beings by nature would resist that. Um, I know for me, <laughs> I don't like the thought of being dependent on someone, if you're honest about it. We don't like that thought that uh, it's something that we cannot control. So to say, isn't that right? But God is saying that I want you to display that kind of attitude. And it brings us much blessing because when we depend on God, we know that He's got it. <laughs> you know that He has the final say. You know that God has your back. You get what I mean? You know, we are not depending on the mercy of an evil person or a dictator, but we are dependent. We are putting our sub, we are depending on God, the creator of the heaven of earth, of the earth. We are depending on God who loves us so much. We're depending on God who only wants good and good for us. We are depending on a God who wants to come and give us life and life 
abundantly. You know, that's the God, that's the kind of dependency that God wants us. And we can be, you know, we can be blessed, we can be happy because you know what? We know that God's got it. God's God's got our back. And God wants us to display that attitude. You know, the, the other thing is God wants us to almost, you know, submit ourselves, you know, our talents, our abilities, our strength. Don't do it. We don't want God doesn't want to do it on our strength. You know, many a time sometimes we say we burn out today. You know, the word burnout is quite common. You know, I want that work-life balance. I don't want, I want that that stability in my work and in my work and rest. And sometimes we carry on more than we need to. You know, we go on our strength thinking that it's something that we need to achieve. You know, for me, sometimes I am guilty of that when I'm busy with work. And I think it's something that, God, how do I depend on you? It's something I need to actually work. And sometimes many of us, we, so we carry on, we carry on that burden, we carry on that strength. We think that we need to carry on by our own strength. And as a result, we get tired. As a result, we don't feel happy. As a result, we feel frustrated. But God is saying that, hey, if when you're poor in spirit, I will take it on. I've got your back. And as a result, God is saying that that translates into happiness. That translates into someone that is so blessed. Amen? Amen. You know, the person that I can think of that comes to my head is someone like Mother Teresa. On the outside, you look at her, she's not defined as someone who is blessed by the world standards. You know, she's not having the most luxurious surroundings. You know, she's on her own in that sense, doing her ministry. But yet when we look at her and I look at her life and we're like, wow, that's someone that I want to be. That's someone who is probably happy and contented. That's someone that I envy because you see such a dependency on God. You see someone who has given up who has poor in spirit because they've given up their life to be depend on Jesus. So I pray that all of us will not look at poor in spirit that way, but we'll learn to begin to submit our dependency. We'll learn to know that we are blessed. We are blessed because we have a God that we can depend on. Amen? Amen. Amen. The second point is this. We are blessed. We can be happy because... God, we've got, we can be blessed when we're poor in spirit because God will help us in the long run. I'll repeat, we can be blessed when we are, we are blessed when we are poor in spirit because God is with us in the long run. You know, the other image when I think of, you know, the word poor in spirit talks about someone who is covering someone who's lying down flat in front of someone. It talks a lot about humility, isn't it? You know, recently uh, Prince Philip passed away, as we all know. And of course, the TV was showing a lot of documentaries. And one of the image that people were commenting on that was that, wow, he, um, as the husband, as the man, had to kneel in front of the wife during her coron in front of Queen Elizabeth during her coronation as a as a, as a acknowledgement of her reign, as acknowledgement of her reign as queen over this nation. And a lot of people are saying, wow, it took so much humility from him to do that in front of the world watching. What kind of person will be able to do that? And the thing is, when we are poor in spirit, it reminds us that we need to be humble. And why do I say that we know that we can, we are happy because we, we, we can, we know that we can be in, we can run the long run. <laughs> Many of us sometimes, even for work, we like to know that we are on the right course, isn't it? <laughs> uh, we don't like to know, so for example, for those of you who are working, you like to know that you're doing a decent job throughout your year. 
you know, I don't like me. The many of times we say, if you didn't like it, why didn't she tell me? You know, if you didn't like my job, why didn't she tell me? You know, some many of us sometimes when we have performance reviews and sometimes your boss give you a barrage of, you should have done this, you have done this, you have done this. And it feels like, why didn't you tell me? I would like to know so that I can improve in life. And by, by virtue of us being humble, number one, we know that, that we have a higher authority to answer to. You know, we will not go astray because when we are poor in spirit, we, push, we humble ourselves before God. We know that we have a higher authority to answer to. That helps us to keep us accountable. That helps us to keep us in check. No, otherwise we'll be free to do our own thing. And when we're, we're free, that makes us happy to a certain extent. But how all of us, I want, I believe that all of us, God wants to run this race with God. And being humble, being poor in spirit helps us to know that we are on the right track. Help us to know that God, you, I have to answer to you. God, I know I want, I need to be accountable to you. And not just at the end of my life, but now every day I can be accountable to God and that helps us to keep us on the right track. The other thing about humility is this, it helps us to never stop being too proud that we stop learning. You know, the thing about running the race is, you know, we need different strengths and different parts of the race. You know, we might feel like, oh, we can burst out of the sprints of the starting blocks full of energy. <laughs> but after a while, we get tired. After a while, we might feel like we need a different style of right, a different strategy throughout a race. You know, uh, different people have different strategies using a marathon, as example. But the thing is, we need to adapt accordingly. And being humble helps us to learn, helps us to know that, you know what, in front of God, <laughs> I'm not never going to be good enough. But that's good. I mean, it, I mean it in a good way. And that keeps us on the edge. That keeps us running. That keeps us learning. That keeps us being humble. Keeps us, uh, helps us to be humble and never too proud to learn. You know, <laughs> I think many of us don't like criticism. I don't like it personally. I take it sometimes a bit more personal than I should. But I think I, I'm learning that, you know, even criticism is such thing called constructive criticism. And it helps us to keep us humble, helps us to keep us running, helps us to keep learning. And we and people, when we look at us, you're like, how come you can press on? You know, people can say, how come we are happy because we can press on? There's a strength that we can hold on to when we press on. So I, I pray that all of us will learn that so much benefits of being poor in spirit. Amen. Amen. The third point is this, we are happy, we can be blessed when we are poor in spirit because the Bible promises the kingdom of heaven is near. You know, the Bible says this, what is the kingdom of heaven? What, you know, a kingdom, when I think of a kingdom, you know, I think of a land where there's a king, where there's his subjects, there's his rules, and where the king rules and reigns. You know, when we are poor in spirit, we're inviting God, even the Bible says the kingdom of heaven is near. It's a present tense. It's not will be here. It will be near, but it is near. See, when we humble and we become poor in spirit, God comes into our life even more. God's authority comes and reigns in our lives. God's dominion comes and reigns in our lives. And, and, it, and it's not just 
in one part of our lives, but in every area. You see the kingdom, the, ki the king rules in every area. The king doesn't just rule in one area. And God's saying that, you know, when you make, when you are poor in spirit, you know, I am near all the time. You have my presence with you. That's when God's presence, and we learn in my pre in the presence of God, there's liberty and there's fullness of joy. Amen? Amen. Sometimes that's joy. That's how we get joy. You know, that's not just, that's how we, when we say the joy of the Lord is my strength. That's because when the kingdom of heaven comes into our lives, that's when we can access the supernatural joy of the Lord. The other thing about kingdom, it comes, a king has dominion. A king has authority. See, when the kingdom of heaven is near, it's in our lives, we begin to understand and grasp the authority of God even more. No, there are things in life that will come and throw us off maybe. There are things sometimes when we question and we wonder and we begin to have doubts. But like when the kingdom of heaven is near, we know and we know and we can be so more confident and say that no, 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 no. God's truth reigns. God's dominion reigns. Amen. And that's when we begin to feel lifted up. We know we are happy because God, I don't have to worry because your truth still reigns. Amen. And the last point is this. And it flows from the kingdom of heaven is near. We can be blessed, we can be happy, we are happy because we are in a place of expectation. We put ourselves in a place of expectation. You see, many of us sometimes we're not, as, I don't think we are content as human beings to just go through life just like that. You know, if I tell you today, uh, you know, you'll be entering this job and you'll be staying on here forever. None of us want that. We're always looking for development. We're always looking for something. But I think that sometimes we the expectation of this is not just on the physical sense, but God, we begin, even as the kingdom of heaven comes, even the authority of God comes, even God's dominion comes our lives, His purposes, His promises, His victory, the breakthroughs that God has, the dreams that God has, comes into our lives as well and we begin to expect you know we don't just expect the physical stuff that we are hoping for but we begin to expect the god miracles in our lives we begin to expect god to move and that provides us with such an expectation have you been excited before you know haven't have you have an if something you like i'm really looking forward to this because abc you know sometimes you say, i'm really looking forward to a holiday because you know, there, there's something that we're looking forward to. And God, we can be happy because we not only, we can be, we can, we are expectant, we are expectant of the miracles, we are expectant of the God testimonies, we are expectant of what God, the miracles that God is going to do. And God, recently I've been so convicted of this because sometimes, unfortunately, in lockdown life, it's just wake up, sleep, eat, and all that. And all of you know that whole shebang, right? But I'm, when I'm just reminded again, no, that's more to life than that. You know, are we excited? <laughs> that's when, see, when the kingdom of heaven, God puts us, God dreams in our hearts, God testimonies into our life. And that provides our life with such a fullness, that provides us with joy that we can't explain it, satisfaction that we can't explain it. So can I encourage you, you know, going poor in spirit also gives us an expectation put us in a place of expectation amen 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 you know even i was talking about all these parts you know 
being poor in spirit helps us depend on God, helps us to run the long race, helps us to know that the kingdom of God is here and puts us in a place of expectation. Maybe some of us, we hear it before, we heard it before. We're like, okay, I know, I know, I know it on the logical sense, but how do I bring the logic? How do I bring something that's in my head to be able to apply it in my life? How do I bring this and apply it to my everyday life? I think, you know, I, I mean, what I've been practicing and what I've been experiencing, it, let's do it day by day, you know. Sometimes we think of it of the big picture, but God is interested in the daily. We learn this from the Lord's Prayer, where He says, give us this day our daily bread. Can I say this to you? Take it daily. Come to God in prayer daily. You know, wake up, do your quiet time. We learn about this at homes. Prioritize your devotion with God. You know, do it daily. Do it in the morning because, and even as you do it in the morning, you know, can I encourage you what I've been doing is say it out loud. You no, know, this is a year of declaration, prof declaration. And we also need to learn to declare and say it to God. Because sometimes when we say it out, it kind of seals the truth. Sometimes when it's in our heart, we just get, okay, mm. But when we say it out, it actually says, seals the truth. And say, God, I depend on you. God, today I submit my will to you. Today, God, take my life. Today, help me to rely on you for strength. Say it, do it daily, do it daily, you know. Can I say each day when you do, it will all add up. We may not see it just yet, but it will all add up. Amen? Amen. The second thing is, let's be, you know, there are, going to, there are areas in our lives that sometimes we find, God, I can't totally be surrendered to you. But I would say start by being honest first with God. You know, many times we don't, we just sweep it under the carpet. We think that, God, I can't, I can't submit to you, so I'd rather not talk to you about it. I'd just rather not think about it, and we just sweep it under the carpet. But how many of you know if I sweep the dust under a carpet, it doesn't go away. It just adds up, you know. <laughs> Recently, I had to do some cleaning, and under the carpet, sometimes... I don't know, um, lifted up and so much dirt will accumulated under the carpet. And sometimes the areas of our life, we just sweep, we just sweep away. And how can God come in if we just hide it? How can the light shine into the darkness if we don't review the darkness? And God's saying that, hey, I'm just saying today, encourage you, let's just be honest with God today. You know, there's so much power in just being honest with God. God, no, God already knows us, can I say. Nothing you do will shock Him, but God wants honesty from us amen god wants to god doesn't demand it from us but likewise god wants to wants us to open up to him the last part is this and I, i've just um, been thinking about it you know sometimes we've been learning about the spiritual poor in spirit but even as we learn in the spiritual means poor means to 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 kneel to to lie down to crouch in front of god how about in the physical? You know, I'm just, I, I think God, I'm not asking us to be religious and oh, we must kneel before God. But the other question is, why not? When was the last time we went before God and knelt before Him? You know, I was just telling Pastor Dave the last time when I was younger and my mom used to take me to the temple from time to time. Every time we pray, it was, I had to kneel down. There was no other option. Well, unless you were ill and all that, but there was no other option. And I was just so convicted because I started to remember, God, I, 
here I am serving you, here I am having a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And how many times I've heard and said it, God, I'm so sorry I've fallen asleep. You know, that doesn't, God doesn't deserve that kind of honor for me. God deserves honor for me, worthy of more. You know, and God is our, God, sometimes we think of Lord as just best friend and savior. But how about Jesus as Lord as well? You know, being that poor in spirit means acknowledging that God is Lord, acknowledging that He is King. But how come in the physical, sometimes we forget, even in our physical lives, we forget that God is God, where's the honor? Where's the posture that we show before God? You know, Jesus, even before he was crucified in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said this, he knelt, Bible says, if you read through Matthew, one of the chapters, he fell down on his face and prayed, God, help me. <laughs> you know, it's painful to bear, but if you can't take it away from me. But Jesus, in his moments of most, I can imagine the most painful moments he's going to experience, found it and understood the meaning, the power behind even the physical posture that we can show before God. And I cannot say this even from experience. Sometimes when we do that, I'm not, it does break something within us. I think it's not natural. No, that's, it's not natural for us to kneel down in front of someone. It's never natural to do it. And I, there are times when I felt the Holy Spirit convince me to ask, convict me, can't do it. And I never want to. I know I have to, but I don't know why there's something in the flesh that just doesn't want to. But the thing is, when I realize that each time I do it, you know, there's something within me that breaks and submits to the authority, to the Lordship of God. And that's when I begin to come and experience Him because that's when He comes in. See, God, the thing is about God is He's not a dictator. He's not going to come and force His will, but God desires for us to allow Him in. You see how pleasing it is for God if someone will allow Him in. He would want to come in. The Bible says, draw near to God. He will draw near to you. Amen. So I pray that all these are more practical points, but I pray we catch the Spirit. So I pray we don't go around just searching, but we understand that we need to work on ourselves and the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes is not just an attitude, an optional attitude, but because Jesus said so, we should try, we should aim to live out, live it out. Amen? Amen. Amen. Pray, you know, I pray that we'll continue to apply this. And uh, before we do that, will you just allow me to pray? Thank you, Lord. Amen. Father God, we thank you again for all that you have done. We thank you again that you are good and good. And God, we commit again. We come before you and say, God, help us to be poor in spirit before you. God, we come and with our hands lifted up. And you know, some of us here, if you feel like just going down on your knees before the Lord, and God, we say, we surrender again everything into your hands. God, truly, we depend on you. We need you like how, you know, the illustration of how the scuba diver needs an oxygen in the depths of the sea. God, we need you that way. God, help us to bring us to that place where we need you that way. That God is never an option to need you. But God, it's a need that God, we so desire to need you. God, we submit ourselves unto you. We commit. Uh, we, God, I know, we don't want to turn on our own strength. We want to submit our will unto you again. So God, I pray, even as we do that, help us to know, God, we invite you into our lives. Take over. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.
Now, before we close our service, we want to give different ones here an opportunity to respond. Maybe you're not a Christian yet, but when you hear, hear about the message and hear about God, you want to invite God into your life. I want to say to you that's the best decision that you can ever make. And we can do so, we can be what we have learned to be poor in spirit because ultimately God is good and God loves us so much. You know, God loves us so much that He sent His only Son, Jesus, to come and die for our sins so that we can have eternal life with Him. After this, there will be a short prayer in which you can say, inviting Jesus, inviting God into your heart. You know, if you have done so, can I ask if it's possible, send us a private message, send us a message. We'd love to connect with you, pass you some materials to kickstart your journey with God. Amen. If you've been touched by today's message and would like to invite Jesus into your life, why don't you join me in saying this prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sins by dying on the cross for me. I receive your love and forgiveness and eternal life by faith. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Acts, you can check out www.axchurch.uk. God bless.